Generative AI poses new and dangerous cybersecurity threats. Climate tech investors worry the Inflation Reduction Act could be repealed if Republicans win in 2024, and the big four accounting firms are pushing back against new audit rules. I'm Jackson Fordyce, and this is Venture Daily. AI tools are powerful and offer humanity endless innovative applications. They are also very dangerous. AI has created a new world of risks for cybersecurity. From email phishing to deepfaked audio and video scams, cyber threats are only getting more sophisticated. Since the internet began, there have been online scams, and if you know what you're looking for, they're usually pretty easy to spot. Not anymore. With generative AI, scammers who don't speak English can instantly generate an email into any language that replicates a real human's writing style. Or your voice and even your face can be deepfaked to trick friends and family. Thankfully, AI tools can be used to upgrade cyber defense efforts in the fight against a new landscape of fraud. To learn more about the new world of cybersecurity, I spoke with Mark McLean. Hi, this is Mark McLean. I'm the founder and CEO at SailPoint Technologies in Austin, Texas. SailPoint Technologies is an identity management and governance software provider. Mark, does the introduction of generative AI pose new and more dangerous cybersecurity risks to the public? I don't know if it's so much new as potentially accelerated, right? What I think everybody is learning is that in some cases it's going to move things faster than have been happening already. It may open up brand new threats, but in general, as most folks know, a lot of the threats today are in these categories like phishing, where you get an email that's a fake email that's trying to get you to click on something or do something. And so the sophistication of those, everybody anticipates will be better, faster, right? It'll look more real, it'll sound more valid, and it might fool those who are a little less on their toes looking for it. So that's the kind of example of acceleration, maybe more than brand new threats. You mentioned email and phishing scams. What about scams using deep fake technology? I think that's where perhaps some of the threats will be either more advanced or feel somewhat new. And in some ways, it is the same attack, but it's using a different channel, so to speak, right? Like an audio, you know, voicemail or, or, or video or whatever. And I think much like a lot of us had to train, you know, call them parents or grandparents or just less technically um, capable, not capable, less technically savvy because they haven't been exposed to it. People like, hey, that email, you might want to double click and make sure that's really what you think it is before you decide to respond to that. I think we're going to have to put up those kind of warnings and safeguards for people on voice and video. Hey, that thing that you think sounds just like me on your voicemail or looks just like me in a video, if it's asking for something bizarre or unusual, hit the pause button in your brain and, and reach out to the person, right? It's the same thing we've been told in email. Don't click on that link if you're not sure go type that <laughs> that address directly into your browser and you'll know you're really going to your bank as opposed to the thing that's faking to be your bank right i think we'll have to kind of do that back channel to go verify that the person or thing that you think is reaching out to you is in fact what you thought it was will ai in the threat it presents require the average person to develop increased cybersecurity literacy I think it's as much an awareness as a literacy. And by that difference, I mean, I don't know if that means everyone has to become a cybersecurity expert, but it just means when someone is asking you to do something that's not normal, right? Whether that's, I want you to click on this link. It's your mom calling and asking you to click on this link and transfer me money. If your mom has never before asked you to send a transfer of money, you might call your mom <laughs> and make sure that she really wants you to do that. So it's just a kind of an awareness and, and maybe a caution of making sure that what you think you're reading or hearing is in fact the truth. Cyber experts say the same AI tools that enable hackers with advanced ploys are also available to companies that can use them for building up more advanced cybersecurity barricades. Can you help us better understand this new battleground of AI defense tools versus AI attack tools? 
Well, in some ways, it's just another example of what has always been true, I think, since the dawn of hackers, however far back that goes, at least 20 years, probably 30 at this point, which is the the bad guys are using technology and the good guys are using technology. And at some level, it's a bit of a cat and mouse game to, you know, who's got the better tech, right? Or who's more adept at using that tech. And so I think what we're going to find is, yes, the AI capabilities will be leveraged by, you know, nefarious actors to do things that we would rather they not do, of course, to try to steal things or compromise people or whatever on the flip side those that are trying to defend and protect will i think be more effective i think kind of the same thing you're hearing about some of the uh, developer engineering world is that people who are moderately good will become better and people who are good will become far better it'll sort of accelerate the capabilities and i think that's frankly going to be true somewhat on both the good guy and the bad guy side so how exactly that plays out we'll see but those tools that help the hackers (laughs) attack more effectively also help the defenders defend more effectively got it that makes sense some of silicon valley's biggest ai tech companies including amazon google meta and microsoft pledge to make tech that stresses safety as a top priority with ai regulation likely around the corner and safety pledges from industry leaders Are you confident that the future of AI will be safeguarded for the public? I can't say that I would put it quite that boldly, confident that it will be safeguarded. I think there is still a sense of proceeding with caution for now. I think there's going to be a lot of energy spent by large tech players and the government to try their best to protect and and make this safe for everyone. And ultimately, I think there will be things that are well done documented or well protected that are like i'll use the term certified it's just a generic concept of they're sort of validated and certified to be safe and there are other things that will be sort of enter at your own risk and i think we will see some delineation there i guess silly analogy perhaps jackson but sort of you know the the fdic deposits on on you know your money right up to a certain level the government will try to protect you beyond a certain level you may be a little more on your own and i think it might be that kind of environment where there's some level of safeguards that we all feel pretty good about and then you're kind of going beyond that or, or into advancing text that, that, that's really new, that might be a little more risky. That was Mark McLean, founder and CEO of SailPoint Technologies. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Jackson. Pleasure to do it, as I said. As the 2024 election approaches, climate tech investors are closely following the future of the Inflation Reduction Act, a landmark federal law that aims to curb inflation by reducing the budget deficit and invest billions of dollars into domestic clean energy production. The bill exists due to its creation and support by Democrats, who got a pass into law late last year. As the upcoming election approaches, partisan lines have only become more divided, as Republicans promise to gut the bill if they achieve a majority. Climate tech investors are caught in the middle deciding whether they should pour more dollars into the sector, incentivized by billions in tax credits, or if they should back off and wait to see what the next election brings. For more insight into how climate investors are approaching this, I spoke with Chase Roberts. Hey, I'm Chase Roberts. I'm an investor at Vertex Ventures. I also got the chance to speak with Ted Dillon. I'm Ted Dillon. I'm COO at Clean Energy Ventures. We're an early stage venture capital firm, and we invest only in climate tech. For some background to the story, Chase, can you explain why Democrats and Republicans have been split on the Inflation Reduction Act since it was voted into law last year? (laughs) Well, I think the answer to that is relatively straightforward. They're split because Republicans and Democrats have figured out a way to be split on everything. And this was a product of a Democratic government, like explicitly a product of a Democrat-led government. And Democrats are always going to back up the truck and try to support that government, whereas Republicans are going to... Uh, rejected because it's a democratic policy. 
Ted thinks that no matter what side of the aisle you're on, the IRA offers a significant investment opportunity. The Inflation Reduction Act is a very large opportunity to address climate change. It requires a lot of spending and a real transformation of our economy from a carbon-heavy economy to a zero-carbon economy. Uh, there are lots of opinions on that on both sides of the aisle. You know, what I can say is that it's a massive economic opportunity overall, regardless of whether you're in a red state or a blue state. In a partisan vote, Democrats got the IRA passed in late 2022, which has contributed to a recent climate tech boom. Hundreds of billions in federal grants, spending, and tax incentives are flowing to climate tech startups. Republicans say they want to gut the bill. So, Ted, why is there a disagreement among climate tech-focused venture capitalists regarding next year's decision as who they prefer to win? I think everyone who's investing in climate tech would prefer that climate continue to get funded by the federal government uh, through things like the IRA and the Infrastructure Investments and Jobs Act, which also has a lot of impact on climate tech. Opinions are are probably differing based on how people think the winds are going to change down the road in the next administration. Uh, But really, climate tech investors who have been doing this for quite a while have seen these types of changes happen in the past. So a lot of the partners at our firm, for example, have been investing in climate tech since the term clean tech was coined in the early 2000s. So we've seen many administrations at the federal and state level come and go. And so a lot of the investment decisions we make, for example, are independent of any policy that we think might show up or might be redacted. But this really is, is climate tech is a climate change and addressing climate change is an economic opportunity across the board. Adding funding from the federal and state government on top of that is an accelerant, but there's no doubt that the market is there. So regardless of where you think the administration is going to go, investment's going to continue to come into this space. Chase, same question. Why the disagreement among climate tech-focused VCs for who they'd prefer to win the next year's election? I wish I had a nonpartisan answer here, but I think that the disagreement is really a product of their product of their current party affiliation. So, so I, I don't necessarily think that the VCs are, are voting in favor of what's helping their business. I think they're thinking about what party am I in and coming up with reasons to, to rationalize why the IRA is a good thing or it's a bad thing. Chase, should climate tech investors be worried about the potential repeal of the IRA or at least the removal of many benefits if Republicans win the next election? I do think they should be. I do think they should be worried because it will, it will undo some of the like positive work that we're on the path to. It will undo some of the positive effects that we're actually experiencing now from the IRA which is, hey, some of these technologies are more viable when the government corrects an inefficient market by offering these subsidies. Ted? Our job as climate tech investors is really to invest in technologies that we know are going to have a massive market, and in this case, are also going to have a massive impact on climate change, right? So the types of technologies that we're investing in and the people that we're investing in around them aren't going to change based on federal government support or lack of federal government support. These markets, I would say, they're also, they're massive markets, So federal government spending makes them increasingly massive, but they're still very large global global markets. Addressing climate change is relevant to every economy on the planet, which means a technology that's applicable here in the States or in Europe or in sub-Saharan Africa or in Asia, there's opportunity in every one of those markets that people have the opportunity to seize and that these technologies can take advantage of. And really, that's what we're investing in. We're not investing in the opportunity to opportunity to benefit from federal funding. Federal funding is an accelerant on the larger global opportunity here. 
Last question, guys. Big IRA money is flowing fast into red states. Construction on new EV battery plants and lots of renewable energy jobs in oil-rich states like Texas and Oklahoma. Even if Republicans win next year's election, do you think they'll follow through on their claims that they'll gut the bill? That's a good question. Uh, If you were going to force me to bet, I would say yes. And the reason I will say yes is I don't think that a lot of political decision-making actually happens uh, rationally, (laughs) meaning... I'm not doing what I believe is best for me. I'm doing what I think is uh, allows my party to win. And so I think the answer is yes. Ted, do you think Republicans will follow through on diminishing the bill if they gain a majority? Uh, I can't say whether they will or won't follow through or what the future might predict, but I can say that there is economic opportunity across the board from addressing climate change. So you're right. Manufacturing is happening in red states. We're seeing a resurgence in manufacturing in many markets that had seen uh, real atrophy in manufacturing over the last several decades. That is an opportunity provided by climate tech and the opportunity to address this change and export our technologies and export our manufacturing capacity. I think that's beneficial to everyone, and I don't think anyone would really want to see that go away. That was Ted Dillon, COO at Clean Energy Ventures, and Chase Roberts, investor at Vertex Ventures. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thank you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, Jackson. The big four accounting firms, PwC, Deloitte, EY, and KPMG, are challenging new U.S. rules that would force them to reveal any fraudulent activity found at the companies they audit. The big four are urging their clients to oppose the plan, informing them that the audit fees will drastically increase if new rulings stand. Before the ruling, standards required auditors to report only wrongdoings that directly affects the accuracy of financial statements. New rules demand auditors report behavior that could have an indirect effect and may put those companies at risk of large fines. The Center for Audit Quality, a group that represents audit firms led by the big four, has expressed that, quote, auditors are not lawyers, and as a result, the proposed amendments would expand the auditor's role to include knowledge and expertise outside of their core competencies. The proposal will substantially increase the cost of the audit without a commensurate benefit. Although auditors fear their role and responsibilities will be expanded unnecessarily, not everyone agrees. In an interview with the Financial Times, Lynn Turner, a former chief accountant of the SEC and current advisor to the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, believes the status quo provides auditors with too much, quote, wriggle room to avoid bringing up potential illegal activity to a company. The firms, the CAQ, and business lobby groups are expected to submit comment letters opposing the new rules by the deadline, August 7th. Thanks for tuning in to Venture Daily. Today's show is produced by Josiah Simons and Jackson Fordyce. Our theme song was created by Benjamin Cook. If you liked today's episode, please give us an honest review wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see y'all tomorrow morning.